Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... What sets a Christian apart, the Apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, what sets a Christian apart is that I'm this way. Then no matter how hard I try and change, some things change, but the sinfulness in me just doesn't change. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I can't wait to see Jesus' face and not be this way anymore. See, we can all be upset about the things that we've done, but a true follower of Christ, even though they know that they're forgiven, like the Apostle, hates that we're this way. We are all sinful. So what sets Christians apart from non-Christians? In Pastor Jim's message, he points out that true followers hate their sin. They desire to worship God in the Spirit and in truth. It's not out of obligation or ritual, but because of the gift that Christ gave us when He died on the cross for our sins. Christians ultimately transfer their trust from self to Christ, resulting in a confidence in things unseen. This is how to live a life of worship, rejoicing in the person and blessings of Jesus Christ. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part three of his message entitled, Joyful Anger. And then he puts in parentheses, human worthiness and attainment. It is so important we remember. Now again, we just said before in the announcements that we are entering September, October, and November. This is a time when a lot of people start to think about coming back to church. This is why it's important that we invite our friends and our loved ones to come hear the word of God because most people live in the settled persuasion that if I am a good person, I'm going to heaven. That is the incorrect settled persuasion. The settled persuasion must be that I have submitted myself to God's way by putting my trust in God's son as the only way. We've said this before. I've joked with you before. If you're new, you probably don't know this. I have a law degree from Harvard. You don't believe me. I made one. I went to Staples and got a little thing and said law degree, Harvard. Now, I've heard the bizarre thing that Harvard actually says you can't tell people you have a law degree from our college, our university, unless you go there and earn it. To which I protest. I say, are you telling me that I can't just proclaim this is what I am because this is what I want? You have rules? You have standards? You have, you have some sort of code? And they would say to me, yes. Can't God have the same thing? Can't God have the same thing? If God says, no matter how you are, The way to get in is to put your trust in my son, to submit to the gospel. So physical circumcision pointed to the reality of the spiritual circumcision of the heart that God does in all of those who trust in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, including Christian rites and rituals done without faith. When I was seven years old, I made my first Holy Communion. 
Do you know what it meant? Nothing. Do you know what it meant to me? I was interested in how much money I was going to get from my relatives. So you know what it meant to God? Nothing. It was putting a a wafer and, and wine or grape juice, whatever it was, in my mouth. That's all it was. And making money doing it. So the true circumcision of the heart is a spiritual work of God done by God to all of those who respond to what Jesus has done by turning to God and putting their trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible, you say, like, we talk about this all the time because it's in the Bible over and over and over again. I don't want to embarrass him, but he's sitting here. One of my dear friends in the church told me this week, you're like, which one is he? All right, I'll give you a hint. He's on this side. (laughs) Told me this week that he sat here for a year before the dime dropped. And God reminded me how many people in our church that said, I was here, I thought I was a Christian until I got here, or I sat here a long time before it all kind of actually made sense that I have to stop trusting in myself and that I trust in Jesus. And that being said, I understand why God brings it up over and over and over again. And if I want to be a responsible pastor, I will bring it up to you over and over again. For such people, the gospel is the power of God that has changed their hearts, that has changed their lives, and changed their eternal destiny. I love the way the the Apostle Paul puts it in Colossians 2. He says, verse 11, In him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So who does it? God. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Okay, baptism is what? Just an outward response of an inward reality, outward sign, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Who does the work? God. And you being dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Let me stop right there for a second. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I realize that some of the stuff I have said to you is very offensive to you. Okay? If you feel I've been inaccurate to the Bible, I would love to meet you after the service and you can show me the errors of my way. I think that you'll find that your, your objection is not to me, but it's to the Bible, to Jesus and the apostles, the founders of Christianity. Forget about what people changed it to hundreds of years later. Let's go back to the, these guys. The manuscript evidence is plain. These are the words. We're, we're right there. We're right. Nothing changes the meaning. And here's, the, here's really what sets a Christian apart from a non-Christian. We all feel bad about the stuff we do. What sets a Christian apart, the Apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. What sets a Christian apart is that I'm this way. Then no matter how hard I try and change, some things change, but the sinfulness in me just doesn't change. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I can't wait to see Jesus' face and not be this way anymore. See, we can all be upset about the things that we've done, but a true follower of Christ, even though they know that they're forgiven, like the apostle, hates that we're this way. We hate it. 
And so we read about being dead in our trespass and sins and uncircumcision of our flesh, and we go, that's right. That's what I was. And then the Apostle Paul says this, he has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And while the person who doesn't follow Christ is offended, while the person who's sort of in between doesn't know what to think of it, the person who's a true follower says, thank be to God. Thanks be to God that there's hope for the way I am. That he's going to judge me on the life of Jesus, not on my life. That he's going to judge me on his righteous son, not on a man who is sinful to the core despite the best of his efforts. This is a true Christian. This here in verse 3 of Philippians 3 is how the Apostle Paul can say, we are the circumcision. We are recipients of of the promises of God for all eternity. Now, I know you might be sitting here this morning and you might be saying, okay, listen, I know Pastor Jim, like you, dude, I heard about you, man. You know, I got that CD, One Salty Day, man. You were one salty dude, right? You didn't become a Christian until you're, you're 29. We know you used to do drugs. We know you used to, used to party. We used to chase girls. We know you're a lot different now. You say you're sinful, but you, boy, well, who knows what it was like then, okay? But you know, I'm not like that. I didn't have that life. I grew up in the church. Sometimes I can't really tell. Some of you go, I wish I had a testimony like you. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't need, you don't need, even when you're preaching, the devil reminds you who you were. (laughs) You're kidding me. I know. (laughs) I meet people and they're like, you're a pastor? You know, and, and outside I'm going, yes, yes. And inside I'm going, pretty weird, huh? <laughs> so how do you know? What do you, what do you look like? He tells us right here. He tells you how to know <laughs> the evidence that you're a Christian. Number one, he says right here, you worship God in the spirit. You worship God in the spirit. Now, let's not get weird about that. Well, what is he telling us? He's telling us that it's, it's the supernatural inward working of the Holy Spirit that brings a dead person to life, that transforms a person, that renews hearts. It tells us that, that our worship of God is energized by the Spirit of God, and as we'll see in a minute, it's also energized by the Word of God. And, and may I be so bold as to say such worship is not late and lazy. And yet how often I see in our church and I talk to so many other pastors and I say, do you have a problem with people coming late? And they're like, yep, we're just like everybody else. Or do you have a problem with certain people being lazy in in church attendance and some of the spiritual disciplines? And they say, yes. I don't read the Bible, friends, to be Christian. I read the Bible because my heavenly Father talks to me when I read it. Because Jesus reminds me that he died for my sins. Because the Spirit of God says, 
for me to tell you these things over and over again, it's okay and it's safe. To, to, to worship God in spirit is, is a heart full of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about Sunday morning. All of life is worship. We, we say in the church all the time, we're going to service, right? That is true to some extent. But friends, for a Christian, we go to service because we are service. We, we are servants of God because Jesus has served us. We serve not to get his pleasure. We serve because we have his pleasure. We don't serve because we want to get his love. We serve because he loved us. We love him because he loved us first. It wasn't our idea. Hebrews 13, 16, the writer says, do not forget or do not neglect to do good and share. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. How often I see so many people who are Christians who think God is mad at them. That is just, there are things that we do that is, dis, are displeasing to God. But, but we're his children. I love the, the explanation of, of worshiping the Lord that Jesus gives in John chapter 4. Many of you know the story of the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Hated them. Jesus and the apostles get there. Jesus has to send the guys out. He's like, oh, i got to get rid of these guys now. This is, good. This is not going to be good. And this woman comes up and she's knee deep in sin and Jesus starts talking to her. Just imagine people like, I can't believe he's talking to her. Oh, ah. Tells her about all the different men she had that weren't even her husband's. She's even living with a guy now. And Jesus doesn't tell her it's okay. I mean, people now they live together like in the church like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. It's just terrible. And what's really terrible is the same people are, are so outspoken about the lifestyles of others outside the church. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And so she's like, well, you know, I know you Jews, you worship, you know, over there in Jerusalem on the mountain. We're over here. What's the deal? Where do we got to go? And Jesus says this, God is spirit, John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Inward spirit, truth of God's word. John 17, he tells, he asks God to sanctify us with his word because his word is truth. And so we, we have a, a lot of people in the, in the body of Christ today that they're, they're worshiping in the spirit. And, and people walk in and go, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. And then other people, they're, they're just worshiping in truth. And people walk in and they go, that's unloving. And Jesus says, no, you got to worship in, in spirit and truth. 
The, the, the picture in the Bible is of people who come in so excited about the Lord to worship, to sing, to pray, to hear God's word taught, to learn about God. And then, and then when the service is over, how can I help you? Can I explain the gospel to you? I, not, not running to the, be first online for the bagels. People say, then why do you have them? So people engage in spiritual conversations after, the, after church. King David wrote these a thousand years before Jesus. He said, Psalm 51, 17, he said, the sacrifices of God are, and he tells us what they are, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Yet instead of, of a broken spirit, of a broken and contrite heart, instead of the truth of the word of God, the American church is buying in to the gospel of health and wealth, buying into the gospel of self-help and entitlement. And any guy who comes along and says, beware, is labeled as some weirdo. Beware. Beware, beware, be careful. Back to Philippians 3, 3. See, for a true Christian, notice what he says. They rejoice in Jesus Christ. Some of your versions say they glory in Jesus Christ or they boast in Jesus Christ. Uh, my best, if I were going to write a translation, I would say they exalt in Jesus Christ. What's the obvious opposite of that? They don't boast in themselves. Why are you going to heaven? I'm a good person. That's boasting in yourself. A true Christian boasts in the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness as the only reason for their salvation. Boasting in ourself is the essence of sin. It's saying, I will be God. Rather than having the humility to say, I couldn't get myself into this life. I certainly can't get myself into the next one. God, I need help. And to look on the cross to see what the help cost. A true Christian rejoices in Jesus, his person, his presence, his power, his cross, his forgiveness, his love. That's why the Apostle Paul came to the goofy Corinthian church and said, we preach Christ crucified. And I know that we could fill our church up 20 times a day if I preached self-help how to be happy messages. But I also know a very small percentage of the people here would be going to heaven. And I couldn't think of anything more unloving to do. Finally, the Apostle Paul says that a true Christian has no confidence in the flesh. Next week, if you think, well, I'm a pretty good person, he's going to lay us all out. You're like, that's something to look forward to. He's going to lay us all out. So he is really got, he's the most qualified of anybody to go to heaven. And then he says it was dung. See, the posture of a true Christian, of someone who is a forgiven, heaven-bound sinner, is simply this, simply this. Please, friends, if you never heard anything else today, hear this. You want to go to heaven? This is it. Their posture is this. They have transferred their trust from themselves to Jesus Christ. They have transferred their hope of heaven from themselves to Jesus Christ. When I die, if there were a place called the pearly gates, don't believe there are. When I die, 
If I were to ring the doorbell of heaven and someone were to say to me, why should we let you in? I'm not going to go. I'm Pastor Jim. I will say because I have trusted in the life of another. And God the Father took my sin and placed it on him on the cross. And took his righteousness and placed it on me. He has treated Jesus on the cross as if he had lived my life. And now he's willing to treat me as if I had lived Jesus' life. A true Christian's confidence is no longer in themselves, but has now been transferred to the crucified and risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say this with all sincerity, my dear friends. The Bible teaches to claim any other confidence is to put yourself outside of God's forgiveness. To claim any other confidence is to put yourself outside of God's grace. And please listen to me carefully. I'll say it a different way. Christianity, not churchianity, Christianity teaches that people only go to heaven by repenting and believing in the gospel, by turning from their sin, turning to God, and putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, the Apostle Paul has great joy. And he has great confidence. And he has great anger that people have come along and tried to change it. And he has great anger that people have come along and tried to deceive you. And he has great anger that people have come along and they have diminished the work of Christ, suggesting that there's something you could do that would equate with that. Friends, this is our job to tell people. This is what we must do. And if it just means that you drag them here and you let me be the bearer of news, I'm fine with it. I have settled that place in my heart where this is what God would have for me to do, not as a pastor, but as a Christian. This changed religion, this changed Christianity, is the religion of Northwest New Jersey. It's a house of cards, and people will not get into heaven. Jesus and the apostles are clear. Humanity is incurably sinful. We are selfish We ignore God. We take other things, even really, really good things, and we put them in the place of God in our lives. But the requirement of heaven is sinlessness, and that is offered to each of us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way to receive the forgiveness of sins and the righteousness of God is to submit ourselves to the gospel. Today, is the Lord's day. 52 a year we come in here to celebrate the achievement of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we all have joyful anger. Joyful for our King. And anger when the good news of Jesus Christ is perverted and it keeps people out of heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, we are pleading with you this morning as we close. We're really closing. I will plead with you. Ask yourself, who is my confidence in? Ask yourself, what 
is my confidence in? If your confidence is not in Jesus Christ, Christianity teaches that you are outside the realm of God's forgiveness. This morning, come. Come in. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today, and we hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn more about Jesus verse by verse in the book of Philippians. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write that information down. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also give securely to help Changed by Love Radio share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Philippians. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.